so wait, we got to do this as part of the thing. Right? Yeah, right, so, right, right, right. All right, so do you want me to intro, do the intro? Go ahead. All right, well, welcome, everybody. Today is the Tech Meme Ride Home Experience. This is a very strange and experimental um, process. We are actually live in Brooklyn. We've got Alex, Brian, me, Chris Messina, and we are having beers together. <laughs> Did I not? Do you want one? No, I'm going to just drink this. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Right. He was going to exercise or something after oh, right, this, too. Right. Let's right. <laughs> go. I have a busy afternoon. What is today? Today is October 20th, um, and we are coming to you live uh, Can in we, person. Uh, make it clear that we're talking to Alex Kantrowitz, oh, who you. is now my neighbor after, uh, what, a month or so? That's right, yeah. Been in Brooklyn since August, and uh, it's, uh, it, this is my second tour of duty here in um, the great borough of Brooklyn uh, with a six-plus-year stint in San Francisco in between, and uh, sweet to be back. What can I say? Um, I, uh, so but we knew Chris was going to be in town. And so I was like, if we can make it happen, it would be fun just to do it in person. Then Alex and I met up in the park on Monday, and I was like, hey, we're going to do this anyway. And it turns out, coincidentally, that you're the ideal person based on the news this week to talk to about something. <laughs> so this is all working out beautifully. Nothing we, big tech going on at all. Right, no. Yeah. Um, and we have, uh, if you hear birds and whatnot in the background, it's because our windows are open. We're sitting around my kitchen table. It's because nature is healing. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's also, you know, a little warm in here, so we need the windows open anyway. But um, all right, so let's do first things first. Let's get this out of the way. The Apple event, and we just had a perfect encapsulation of why pros need things like SD card slots <laughs> when you're trying to test your audio and you need to pull out the card to like see how the the gain oh, yeah. does and all that stuff and yeah. what the waveforms look like and. Um, okay, so as we said on the show, bottom line is is we got the MacBook Pros that we have been waiting forever for. Finally. And as I said on the show, all they did was basically undo all of the garbage <laughs> that they did to us for five years. So I don't know if we should be thankful for that. Um, uh, actually, I don't know. Alex, are you a, are you a Mac Apple ecosystem person? Yeah, I'm all in on the Mac. Okay. Uh, MacBook, iPhone, AirPods. Have you upgraded? Are you upgrading? I'm, I'm going to hold off. You know, I, you are. I, I do think that um, even though I use MacBook professionally uh, and have a Mac desktop, um, I, I am going to make a bold statement and say that I feel like my use case really represents what most people's uses of Apple, uh, which is that, you know, the last set of models were pretty good. And I view this as a once every five year investment. And I was part of the masses of people who upgraded during COVID because we realized uh, we we're going to be working at home. Yep. And we needed the, you know, the best models that we could possibly get as soon as we could possibly get it. And so a lot of people are saying, like folks like me, you know, who've just bought this, these computers within the past couple of years 
are going to upgrade right away to these very expensive new models. We'll get to that. Very we'll get to that. Uh, mm-hmm. But but I, I really don't think that's the case. And, and trust me, I mean, I do podcasting on my own with Big Technology Podcast. I need the you know uh, high download, high upload speeds, especially if I'm going to go on TV. Um, and so these machines need to be quick and powerful for me. But even then, I'm going to be able to subsist without a problem on the previous version of the MacBook for at least another two, maybe three years. So what you're seeing is um, you'll have a handful of early adopters and enthusiasts. They're going to go in and, and upgrade right away. Uh, but it won't be this big spike for Apple, and you'll end up seeing this continual burn, you know, because my upgrade's going to come in 2024, hopefully. You know, fingers crossed, 2023, maybe. Um, but I'm still looking forward to getting that machine. It's just not pressing need like those Apple events make you think it is. Did you, Chris, uh, pull the trigger already? I'm about to. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I learned from you that you can actually get the, I forget, it's the Max of the Pro, whatever the top line thing is, mm-hmm. language again, um, in the 14-inch? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. And so the fact that I almost pulled the trigger on 14-inch without getting the top of the line, and now you said that it's possible, I think I will do that. I think, to your point, Alex, I do think this is like a four or five year kind of investment. And so amortized over that time, to me, it makes sense to sort of, you know, go for like top of the line and then it'll maintain, I hope it's resale value for some period of time. I'm still, you know, I'm rocking like a 2018 MacBook pro. It's fine. But, uh, you know, as I've shared before, I've got like afterburner skids on the back of mine because of the the level of fan usage. So, you know, the other thing that I've, I've been noticing and thinking about is the degree to which, and I don't really know how to make sense of this, although I'm hoping that the combination of you know, Mac, Mac OS Monterey and um, the, the M1 CPUs will actually be so much more efficient in the way in which I use basically web-based applications. What I find now is that I essentially have a number of Electron apps that are masquerading as native apps, but each of them is essentially running a separate web browser instance with tabs. And that's highly inefficient for the you know generation of Intel chips that seem to be in there. Um, and so the way in which Monterey and M1 take more of the mobile, I think, theory of computing um, and know how to turn things on and spin up and spin down processes, just seems to be a lot more aligned with the way in which I multitask. Um, so. That's what I'm looking forward to. I just brought up the the store mm. um, so that we can talk the actual specs. So it's the M1 Pro and the M1 Max is the difference. Um, I like you. I don't ever go in for the 16 inch laptops. It's just too big. Too big for me. Yeah. Who wants to carry one of those things in a backpack? I did no too. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Um, my wife does, but she's an architect, so she needs more screen real estate. But what you're looking at, this is, and I just checked it on the yeah. about this Mac. This is an early 2015, 13 inch, and as I said, it has the ports. It has all the ports, oh, yeah. and I oh, souped it up, so right. it, it was yeah. top of the line, yep. the most storage you could get, the the biggest processor you could get, and this is where the price thing will come in. In my memory, and I should look it up because I I can find out. Mm. I believe it was thirty six hundred dollars. Yeah. So now, if I were to do the same thing, uh, put in an M1, the highest M1 Max chip, 64 gigabytes of memory, which I don't know that I need that, but I, you know, you never know with these things. Here's where the real kicker comes in. You can get eight terabytes of SSD storage now. Now, does anyone need that? Well, I will tell you that 
podcast files, the they're raw, huge. they're big. They're huge. And so it's it's not like I need to carry every episode that I've ever recorded around with me, but that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, right? So if I if I fully spec it out, the price comes to five thousand eight hundred and ninety nine dollars. I don't know that I can justify it. <laughs> and here's why I haven't pulled the trigger yet. is because I record the show upstairs here in my house every day on an iMac, right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm, the reason that I'm hesitant now is I maybe use this machine four or five times a month. So really, if they had come out with an iMac this week, that's what I would have pulled the trigger on because that would be more valuable to me to get the faster chip. But didn't they do that over the summer? Those are just the iMacs, yeah, yeah, like the, the basics, the, 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 the twenty. What is it? A twenty-four Four, inch, 24. right? Yeah. I want the twenty-eight inch. Um, I want. I, I want the fast processor. I want the SSD. I would. I wouldn't even hesitate to put eight terabytes of SSD into an iMac. Um, so that's where I'm. I'm stuck right now. Where it's like, if I spent five thousand dollars and then pulled it out and used it only three or four times a month, that seems like yeah, that's no bueno. Yeah, you don't need it. I mean, this is what Apple. Apple is the master. At yeah, I was literally thinking about that. I mean, a number of things. Buy they, stuff we don't yeah, need that they put out there, and I'm like, they really could sell shit. And sometimes they, well, okay. they have. So I did this um, tweet, like showing a photo of Tim Cook standing in the overgrown oh. grass inside <laughs> Apple headquarters. And say, "Hey, everybody, welcome to Cupertino. I am so thrilled to introduce the Apple lawnmower." <laughs> and of course, you know, this is tweet making fun of Tim Cook, but. I can't tell you how many people were in the mentions just being like, I would buy that. Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. Well, you can you can, imagine the voice assistant on the, the Apple lawnmower? Well, that, you know, it, it, they, they've been so slow at getting their autonomous cars to work. Maybe they should start with, like, lawn care. Hey, that's teach, an idea. You know, right. if you uh, teach <laughs> a, a lawnmower that, you know, to drive, you a, can a eat for a night. Siri that just, you know, you follows know. you around, like the, the Astro or whatever from Amazon. Well, that, that's another thing that... that that became apparent to me in this event is that Amazon and Apple just on a collision course, you know, as Apple Mm -hmm. starts to build its services, businesses out, Mm -hmm. it's going to come directly in conflict with Amazon. And it's so interesting because the two build so differently, right? You have Amazon that will throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Hey, we have a robot for you. We have a drone that will fly around your house. Talking fish that has Alexa in it. Exactly. Talking fish with Alexa and Apple refine, refine only release when it's perfect. But the two, the product sets of the two are just coming directly into conflict. And it was so apparent when Apple, started the event uh, this week because it started with Apple Music uh, and yeah. then you had Siri yep. and then you had the HomePod and then you had AirPods yep. and you look at Amazon and you're like Amazon Music, Alexa mm-hmm. um, Apple's Air, Air, AirBuds and, and of course the Echo Actually, so, so this is something that I think you'd be really um, Oh, look oh. who you summoned Oh boy okay. Oh, is that Brian. Alexa? <laughs> Alexa, stop it. <laughs> oh, you're not invited to this conversation. So I, I agree with you. And one, we're moving into this world of digital services everywhere. Mm-hmm. It occurs to me that the conversation that we probably should be having right now is really about moats and about yeah. what the next five or 10 years looks like. Yeah. Because it is interesting, you know, Brian, to, you know, for you to point out what the price point is for sort of maxing out the laptop. It feels like the price has only gone up. It's weird. It's like the, the MacBook Pros are like Ferraris or something. And so mm-hmm. they're not getting cheaper. They're not getting more accessible. You know, meanwhile, the, the Google event 
has Pixel phones that are like super cheap and affordable relative to the double priced iPhone 13 Pro Maxes or whatever. Hold off on Google for a second because there, uh, there's something about yeah. the event. You said offline that you hadn't seen it, so there's something that'll tie into that. But, but what we're seeing with Apple now is what their strategy should have been all along, which is that the cheaper end. It has not as many ports, has the slower chips and everything. It, this is sort of the ecosystem that they should have built for five years ago instead of, oh, by the way, the Pro Machines too have less and less and less and thin and light and whatever. Go with the thin and light on the low end for the people that don't need the Pro stuff. That's fine. Like, I don't have any problem with them segmenting. And I don't necessarily, like, listen, I want to get my hands on this freaking Apple Silicon, believe me. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it, it, it's very expensive <laughs> and, yeah. and essentially I would max it out just to like future proof myself again in case they go crazy again or something, mm. you know, but I think what, what, what I'm saying though, and this is my point to, to Alex is to look at like the, the pricing as somewhat indicative of the strategy, right? So as, as I said a long time ago, Apple is a jewelry company that happens to build soft, you know, products that essentially connect to the internet. And whether that's you know, the AirPods or whatever, the price of their products has only seemed to go up even as they are now building their own silicon, mm. Mm. which you would have thought would have allowed them to lower mm. the price. So what that means is that their margins are getting better and they're also branching off into the services space. And so, you know, and I, like Google is, is almost like squeezed, you know, between these different things of wanting to make aspirational hardware yeah. and saying, this is great stuff. And we've got these amazing computational cameras, et cetera. But Google still makes all their money from advertising. And yet at the same time, and I don't know if you reported on this, but, you know, Apple now is benefiting from all the privacy changes that it has built into its operating system in terms of its own advertising initiatives and efforts. And Amazon, too, is one of the biggest advertising companies behind Google. It's number three now, right? Uh, isn't isn't Amazon at this point number three in th- uh, digital yes. advertising? So, I, like, I feel like the, the the problem with our conversation is that we approach this as consumers yeah. of these products, which makes us a little bit blinded and too close to like the ass of the elephant to really see how big the thing is and like what it really what, what comprises it. And you know, Alex, I know you've worked in advertising before too, and so mm-hmm. I would want to be evaluating both these events that we've seen and just the series of announcements and and product you know directions from like that ad perspective because Apple made a number of changes to the way in which Facebook could track. So Facebook is on the verge of renaming itself and moving into a completely different untested digital environment, i.e. the metaverse, possibly to make up for its loss of revenues and tracking abilities on the web and on mobile devices. So if that's true, like how I just advertising is where so much of the money and the revenue comes from. I don't think that we can evaluate these products purely from, oh, I pay this amount of money and I get this product out, and that's the nature of the relationship. The relationship is such that we will subsidize the hardware with the data that we're able to collect to then track and monetize your behavior for other purposes. And that explains some of the, the healthcare stuff and those bets that are also uh, underway. No doubt. I mean, Apple is getting the best of all worlds, right? 
because they're able to charge a premium for the laptop. Right. And now they're edging competitors like Facebook out of the way mm-hmm. and selling their own ads. Yep. Um, you know, all in the name of privacy, yes. my dear Lord. <laughs> uh, and so it is interesting uh, how they're now... Like I mentioned, um, they're going to start to come up against companies. I mean, they were already a direct competitor with Facebook. I mean, anyone who says they're totally. not is, is wrong. Mm. Um, they're obviously a competitor with, with Google uh, on many fronts and a competitor with Amazon. And so what I think we've actually seen is we've gone through this period of upgrade and improvement. Like, we talk about the Apple laptops. I mean, what's what's really changed? Like, they're now going backwards, like... Um, Brian, you mentioned that there was, um, you know, they, they get making them. Uh, the mantra of Apple design was make it thinner, make it smaller. That's all they were building. Well, towards. Johnny Ive is gone now. Johnny Ive is gone, but that was under under Ive, and it was very interesting to me how they would talk. They, so, I, in my book, Always Day One, I talk about how they became a culture of refinement. Brian, I'm sure you remember this. Mm-hmm. And their vision of courage was eliminating stuff as opposed to adding it. Right? Well, it's like, like the, the famously said, jack. the headphone jack. Yeah. Why did we do this? It took it took courage. Right. Courage. So you know, it's very interesting how now they've now we, they've sort of maxed out, um, you know, their inventive potential. Like Walt Mossberg was on Kara's podcast uh, recently, and he talked about how Tim Cook's done a great job maximizing the assets of Apple, but he hasn't had a game-changing breakthrough products and a product. And so we're sort of seeing this end stage. Um, you know, it's like the end stage where where now you get to fight the bosses, right? Hmm. And so Apple has. Uh, kind of run out of stuff to do with the Mac. I mean, they kudos to them. They built a great chip. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves it, and it's about to come into MacBooks. That's awesome. Uh, but what more can you do? It's They've refined to the max. And when you do that, then you start to see the really interesting conflicts. Where do you look for growth? You look to take Facebook's business for growth. You look to take Google's business for it's growth. It's a zero-sum And you game. look to take mm-hmm. Amazon's business You can only grow from taking from somebody Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it just it, it really is going to get so fun to watch because what we're seeing now is look at the valuations you know one and a half sometimes two trillion dollar companies who need to prove to shareholders even in this wacky environment that they're worth the money and when that happens that's when you start to see some of the stuff that we're watching go down you see laptops that cost five grand you see services business that try to cannibalize competitors uh and you just see the gloves come off between the tech giants and it's big tech royal rumble just the way we like it (laughs) we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on but when it comes to your health there is no compromise so don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com slash techmeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash tech meme. ZocDoc dot com slash tech meme. 
Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yeah, no, and, and this is why I said you're perfect for today. Uh, if we haven't underlined it, uh, Alex wrote a book called Always Day One about these big companies and, and the, the, the not just the culture, but the strategy that they've <laughs> all employed to this point. Uh, your newsletter, Big Technology, you cover this stuff Every single week, every, every Thursday, single day, every Thursday. Yeah, you get on Substack, Big Technology. So let me let me unify plus this podcast. plus the podcast, Big yes. Technology Podcast. Thank <laughs> you for the shout outs. I, I do appreciate it. Um, if anyone's willing to try it out, I I am forever grateful. Thank you. Okay, look at what a professional host I am. I'm gonna. I'm going to hit all of these birds with one stone. <laughs> I'm going to unify what you're saying. Yeah. I'm going to make sure we talk about Google so that mm-hmm. the Google people aren't mad at us, right? Yeah. Um, you had said to us offline that you didn't uh, see the Google event yesterday. Um, one of the things that they announced, first of all, okay, the, those phones look awesome. Um, if I were in the Android ecosystem, there's no other phone that I would get. Um, I even like the weird Jordi LaForge bar across the back. That's fine. Um, it's super interesting that they're coming in at the low end. Like these are, you know, even the higher end one is a $800 phone. Um, we can get into that if we, if you want, but they also announced yesterday what they call their pixel pass bundle, which is for $45 a month. Not only do you get you're paying for the phone, which you can upgrade every two years, but you get everything with it. You get their music service, you get their video service, you get their, so this is sort of like the Amazon Prime monthly subscription, but for everything in the in the Google ecosystem. So this is what we're saying. This is this is taking a page out of Amazon. This is taking a page out of out of Apple for going for this services money. Um, you, we're already talking about how people are fighting over ads and all of these companies, are essentially the same company now or are sort of trending in that direction in the sense that they're all doing the same things, but they're also strategically going after the same things. Yes, it's Clash of the Tech Titans. (laughs) Man, do I love it. It's good. It's so interesting. Um, First of all, it's interesting as a person who uses these products for us, Mm -hmm. um, you know, folks who are consuming, like we end up, uh, you know, getting more choice. This is good. It's funny. We talk a lot about you know, monopoly and anti-competitiveness. It's certainly true uh, that, you know, that the tech giants are doing whatever they can to ice out the smaller guys. But when it comes to the big guys, hell yeah, there's plenty of competition. Uh, and then it's just like the most magnificent business story to watch. I mean, when, you know, when in our history have we had, um, you know, five trillion dollar companies just trying to gut each other? It really the feels like, like the, the Godzilla movies or whatever. Yeah. Mm. And even, like enormous. By the way. Titans. Yeah, the gaiju is going after. And then each you other. have um, you have Microsoft, which is uh, sure. the guy that runs into the tag team match with the steel chair, and starts <laughs> bashing everybody over the head just for the heck of it. And you know, everyone's like, "Microsoft, you're cool. Don't worry about it." And then they're like, "Deals off, Google. We're coming for you." <laughs> totally. <laughs> and uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's a blast. It's a blast. And uh, I, I don't know. I I, I do think that. Um, 
you know, I had a friend who responded to me after I wrote this story uh, in Big Technology about how Apple's, uh, you know, anti-tracking moves were crushing Facebooks, mm-hmm. just killing Facebook's mm-hmm. performance yeah. advertising. Yeah. And he wrote like something at like, you know, capitalism at full blast, let him gut it out. <laughs> and honestly, why not? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So this is how a market works. And it's, it's freaking fun to watch when you do it with a little bit of distance. Well, Let's seg into Facebook then. Uh, as we said, this is Wednesday, so <laughs> hold on. By the time you publish this, it might be yeah, called well, something else. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was going to say we might get scooped on the Verizon story. Here. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> good one, Chris. Uh, so today is the day that I did on the show that that Facebook is considering changing its name. Mm-hmm. I think that we've probably heard today that this is not thinking. This is this is coming, right? Seems seems likely. I mean, it would be a shock if it didn't happen. Yeah, they they you know Facebook PR loves using Twitter to uh, refute bad Wait, reports, that? Uh, and they haven't done any tweets saying actually we're still Facebook. <laughs> so they are um, not. <laughs> Chris, you made an interesting point uh, earlier today. Because I joked on the show today that maybe um, the when Facebook went down because of the provisioning thing, yeah, the DNS change, but. That really could have been. I think that was actually like a test. Like, I, I mean, you know, whether, whether if, if it's going to be horizon.com or it's going to be metaverse.com or something, that might have been it to see if one, what happens, you know, yeah. when they make the changeover and what breaks. And so this was actually <laughs> sort of like a, what is it, a, a, a sort of poking test when you like decide if something is vulnerable? Stress and, test. Yes, ish. It's uh, uh, you're probing uh, the perimeter. A probe test. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. So, regardless, I don't know these tests. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it's a thing. It's uh, anyways. <laughs> and so, if that was the dry run for what's going to be launched at the F8, it's not F8 anymore. The Facebook Connect Reality Labs Day, yeah. whatever it is. Anyways, whatever their their developer event is, like there is too much to look at that says exactly what's about to happen. And I feel like, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to lay it out like in the way that I've seen it. I, we've talked about this. I went and I watched, uh, actually on the, on the plane out to the, the East Coast, I watched um, Facebook's developer event from the spring. I think it was June, perhaps. And there were moments where Zuckerberg was talking about the metaverse. And then there's another case where he was launching the portal, whatever the portal portable device was, and he was so bored, and he was like reading it from a teleprompter, and it was like, the, if I was on that team, I would be so pissed off. But regardless, by the end, finally, he's no longer talking about this like silly hardware device. Now he's actually talking about the metaverse, and he lights up. He's so mm. excited. This is a person who decided during the pandemic that he was going to rename the company. And he's been sitting on this news since then. He got rid of Shrep who was his VP of engineering mm-hmm. and he promoted Boz, who was the head of reality labs to be VP of engineering or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed today, I think his name is Vishal. Um, the guy that used to be head of product at Instagram is now head of metaverse at Facebook. So the guy who was in charge of building out the Instagram business along with Maseri now is running the metaverse product. Like that tells you where the prioritization lies because it, you have to assume that the effort that they were making for reels to compete with TikTok is not working. And so they need a greenfield. And so the metaverse is that greenfield. And so that is the, the master stroke where, where, where Zuckerberg is the only person with 51% ownership of the company that can say, Facebook is dead. The production of Mark Zuckerberg is dead. And now it is something new. Well, we are changing the entire gameplay that yeah. we're in. I, 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 so I see that. Another thing that's been suggested to me by people who... <laughs> 
<laughs> no thanks. Been in the company's orbit. Uh-huh. Is that uh, th- no? Actually, your explanation ties in very, very nicely. And I know this. nothing just by what I've seen publicly. So. so what's been suggested to me is that you know, first of all, I think the metaverse already exists. It exists in places like Fortnite before you're in it's Battle Royale mode. Yet, it exists in Roblox. Yes, totally. right when you're in this creator mode. Hundred percent. So, so Facebook. So I think Zuckerberg sees where this is going. What's been suggested to me is that. This is a new big vision sort of uh, push inside the company that is part, okay, product push, but also, you know, as important or maybe uh, maybe more important, a employee retention mm. and attracting, uh, mm. a, you know, and recruitment type of thing where it's like, you know, do you want to be at Facebook? Like, uh, I don't know about that. Do you want to be at, um, you know, Horizon. Metaverse, Metaverse, Horizon? Uh-huh. Uh, you can work on the next, you know, big frontier of technology, solve big problems. Okay, I'll take the phone call. Okay, I'll stay for another few years and see where this goes. So, and I think that's that sort of that ties in with the name change as well. Where if this is all about, you know, oftentimes we see the messaging from these companies, and a lot of it is geared towards you know current and prospective employees. And I think that might might be what's happening here. But like, and I do you're, think you're literally yeah. um, who's who's the Bloomberg columnist that everybody reads about money. Um, Matt Levine. Matt Levine. His his take on it today was just mm-hmm. that. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. if you go visit. Friends or whatever. Who do you work for? Facebook? Uh, maybe you don't say yeah. that, but you you would say, "Oh, I work for Meta or whatever." Yeah, it's gonna I'm be. no I'm no longer uh, working yeah. with Ron Artest. I'm working with Metaverse World Peace. Also, <laughs> <laughs> I would point out that when you said Greenfield, like this is one of the few areas where their reputation doesn't necessarily precede them in a negative way. Like that portal behind me, which is a yep. great device. I love it, yep. but most people wouldn't put it in their homes. Um, but, okay, Alex, uh, this is specifically what I wanted to ask you. And, and I got to do a bit of a wind-up here because okay. I, and I've said this many times on the show, I got wound up by people several years ago telling me that it, of, the, of the big five, it was Google that was in the most trouble because there was, they were running into walls. That you could, there was only so much blood you could squeeze from the stone. There were only so many ads that you could put in. Turns out they had two stones. YouTube. Listen, well, first of all, YouTube mm-hmm. is obviously helping them, as I said. There's recently. a lot of blood in that stone. But also, they've had, <laughs> since, the right. since these people tell me that, they've had their best earnings uh, in a decade. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and growth, not just, oh, dollar figures. I'm, I'm saying return to growth again. So I'm, I'm burned by this. But I'm also hearing from people that... One of the things, maybe this is Facebook is in trouble. And um, I said on the show today, changing your name, is that something that a a confident, really firing on all cylinders company does? Or is this a company that is trying to spin its wheels? That's when you change your name. But also, um, the, the, what was my point? Um, Oh, so when, when people are saying, Facebook's in trouble because, again, if there's one thing we know about Zuckerberg is that he knows the data before anybody else. He does nothing but look at the data, and he has the data on all of us and everything that happens on these platforms. Facebook probably would have been in trouble five or eight years ago, but Instagram has papered over a lot of sins. And so we've also recently seen, oh, they're going after teens because they need this growth pipeline coming in. So when I start to have people tell me, mm-hmm. well, this is happening because they're seeing the writing on the wall. It might not be next quarter. It might not be next year. But they're seeing that they're going to hit a wall in terms of their earnings and their growth and things like that. Um, 
what have you heard? Am I have, have I been sold a bill of goods again? No. Or? Okay. No, you, you're spot on here. Um, so first of all, I don't think their earnings are going to hit a wall. You know, don't bet against Facebook's advertising prowess, although they are running into some trouble now, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, but look, I've always viewed Facebook as the most vulnerable of all tech giants. Um, if you look at Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google, all of them have operating systems. They are something that you use to get into the internet, which gives them a heck of a lot of control over, you know, whether their products will survive. And that's what some of this antitrust stuff is getting at, like self-preferencing, like, um, you know, but like take Chrome, for instance, right? If you have the, if you have the browser or Android, if you have the mobile operating system, people use that as the window into the internet. So you can put search right there front and center, and you'll ensure that even if people stop typing in www.google.com, you're going to survive. Facebook is a totally different beast. It's at the mercy of Apple. We've seen Apple shut down their apps in the past. Uh-huh. It's at the mercy of Google. Both of those companies are working to um, to constrain its ability to track on the web, right? This is a so so. This is a, a serious issue for Facebook's business because um, everybody that you speak with, uh, you know, uh, on the performance advertising side, the people who put those ads on Facebook, where it gets a large chunk of its money, which want you to buy right away. Um, they, they told me that they're running blind. I mean, they are unable to track performance because so many people have opted out of Apple's ad tracking that they now can't see whether their ads are performing well on Facebook. And so what that's lead them to do, um, and even if Facebook can figure this out with some sort of you know advanced modeling, which I'm sure it will be able to get somewhere close once it has enough data, but what this has led people to do is try TikTok. Try Snapchat. Mm-hmm. You know, try Google. Maybe try a newsletter. And that's, almost, that's <laughs> and almost the worst case scenario. Absolutely. Because then mm-hmm. once the advertiser gets a taste for this, even yeah. if they do come back, they're also like, well, we're not going to pull back from TikTok because we figured out how to make TikTok work for exactly. us. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And ad, ad professionals are smart, you know, despite all the, the flack they get. They're very smart people. And, and, you know, they know how to work these systems and learn these systems and optimize them. You know, that's how they get, that's how they're able to eat. And so, you know, if, if Facebook pulls back a little bit and now all of a sudden some of these systems are on par, and as you mentioned, they put the effort into it, you know, they're, they're not going to end up taking, you know, they were over-indexed on Facebook. So they're not going to end up taking 100% of their spend or 90% of their spend and put it back on Facebook. They'll go with what works and they'll ensure that they have a little bit of uh, protection if there's going to be other changes. And so, you know, to, to bring it full circle, this is a major, major issue when you think about like which of the tech giants are, are the most vulnerable. Again, it's Facebook not having its own operating system, it, it being beholden to Apple and Google, their kneecapping company. Uh, and, and it does face, um, I'm not going to use the word headwinds, I'm not going to do it, <laughs> a challenge when it comes to you For know sure. uh, maintaining the level of growth that it's had in the past. Mm. Um, two more observations, and then Chris, mm-hmm. uh, please jump in. But um, I'm not the only person that has said that, uh, gee, who's been investing a hell of a lot? Well, all VCs are investing in metaverse things right now because mm-hmm. it's the latest buzzword. But um, yeah. there's a certain uh, VC that also sits on Facebook's board. So if Mark Andreessen has been aware for a year that Facebook is going to go in this direction, um, you know, there there is going to need to be an ecosystem that'll grow up around whatever Facebook is going to do. So there's a little bit of, um, you know, intrigue there. Well, that's all, you, you know, it's also like, do we do we think that Facebook is capable of a paradigm changing technology experience that everybody uses right now? Uh, I don't know. I would say no, but yeah, I know a lot of people that would say never bet against Zuck. 
I mean, of being, yeah, I'll tell I, you, I think it, Zuck will be the king of social networking, but but the you know building out into other things, he's it, it's yet yet to be proven. Hasn't and the bill been proven not at by. all, right? Hasn't been proven at all. Except, I, oh, that's what I say. They should they should you know they've done a good job. Yeah. They've done a good job copying Snapchat, so right. you know maybe they should just change their name to Snapchat. Well, you know? that was Snapchat one of the jokes. is now you know Snack, Snap uh, Inc. Right. So, so maybe Snapchat is available. available. Right. It's like, um, do you guys know that South Park episode where like um, the Redskins lost the tra- trademark mm. to the term you know the Washington Redskins? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That actually happened. So the South Park kids decided that they were going to call themselves right. the Washington Redskins, and then the actual football team called them and were angry that they took their traditional name and were disrespecting it. And it was very meta and, and beautiful. Uh, cultural so appropriation is yeah, very go, meta. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, yeah, okay. your, your bet is meta, right? Or horizon. <sighs> oh, uh, well, uh, naming aside, I, I, you know, I, on the one hand, I half worry about being too bullish on Facebook, but I also think that we tend to evaluate what's happening based on what's familiar and known as opposed to, again, like if, if Facebook feels cornered by Apple, Amazon, Google in terms of advertising and Apple is, you know, literally like throwing axes at, you know, Facebook in terms of its ability to track users. Google has its own hardware devices and products that allow us to do all sorts of different tracking. Um, Amazon obviously has all of your shopping data and has basically like, you know, in the competition for the next gen QVC between Instagram, Amazon, and TikTok, I would probably bet on Amazon in that case. So Facebook does, to your point, like they don't have an Mm -hmm. operating system. They don't have an operating context in which they control everything. And so that suggests that they need to build that out. They need to establish what that is. And yeah, I would also point out, if you haven't, I've listened to a few of Boz's uh, podcast episodes, mm. which one does not do unless they are recruiting or essentially establishing yeah. a beachhead of content to bring people in, whether they're advertisers, whether they're movie studios, whether they're media production agencies, to essentially establish a new set of concepts and verbs and actions and activities that the next generation uh, of social media will uh, comprise. So if we're evaluating this based purely on web page, like two-dimensional web pages, mobile apps, and you know, conventional news feeds, you're looking at the wrong thing. If mm-hmm. Facebook is in decline, they're not going to like go down quietly, and Zuck is right. in the model of Bill Gates as a competitor. So he's going to find or invent a new operating context and environment and then bet the company and essentially get everyone to move in that direction. So the reason why I bring this up is because you asked the question, is or do you believe that Facebook would be able to generate or create a new you know, context or paradigm for computing. And it seems to me that the way in which at least Boz is talking about this stuff from a UX perspective, from a trying to bring stakeholders together to create or to prevent a lot of the criticisms that have happened on the conventional two-dimensional social web, they're getting ahead of those things. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to create a place where people can go to work on this stuff. When you said, uh, well, he buys things, I was going to make the point, I think that he's a real survivor. You put Zuckerberg yes. into survival mode. And, and let me also say, like, he'll find a way. The, the game plan or the, the, the practice mm-hmm. of successfully copying Snap's innovation mm-hmm. in stories and doing a pretty good job with Instagram, like, a, like, I would say that it succeeded. And in terms of what Snap has been doing with the metaverse and creating AR lenses and things of that nature... Snap is pretty far ahead. 
Mm-hmm. Apple has a lot of its own stuff related to augmented reality in the, the metaverse. But Apple has never been able to figure out social. Apple is so behind in social. If you look in, and I just saw this the other day, um, in Safari on iOS 15, you sent me a few links. And when you open up a new tab page in Safari, I will see the links from you. Now, I don't know, I forget what this feature is called, but Apple also has SharePlay. Apple's social networking ambitions are so subtle as to be almost non-existent and not interesting, whereas Facebook is very overt and very clear. Facebook is obviously about interactions and relationships between people. And building a social network, as Google has experienced, is very hard and doesn't always work. The fact that Facebook has that advantage over a Roblox and over, uh, what's the other one? Fortnite, suggests that they're doing the same thing that they did to Snapchat, but for the metaverse companies. They're learning from them, they're observing them, they're building for them, and all the developers that are building for Apple Mm -hmm. or for Google are not getting a head start, and that's what Facebook has to its advantage. Yeah, but sometimes this hits and sometimes it doesn't. Um, like, for I, instance, like, they, but I would look at the kids. Okay, like, but young look, people growing up yeah, are yeah. not spending time in feeds. No, I, I understand. I'm just saying that some, for Facebook, when mm-hmm. it does these, makes these big initiatives, it hits sometimes and it doesn't other times. And, and, and it could have all the vision and the best design products. It sometimes just doesn't take off. Yep. For take a look at Facebook dating. Everyone thought Facebook dating mm, should it crush it. Kill match, Nobody yeah. uses Facebook dating. Tinder yeah. and Match yeah. are and, yeah. and Hinge yeah. are having a, a field day. Um, you know, they're they're just killing their earnings and then um you know you look at you know messenger we forget but messenger and whatsapp were supposed to be the new operating systems and their whole bot thing i don't forget and and (laughs) yeah and so that stuff hasn't worked out the way that they hoped so i don't think that they're incapable of doing it and i agree with you that zuckerberg is a survivor and social media is the toughest thing to build for it's so hard to keep people engaged and that's probably why we see some of the bad stuff because they're willing to exactly. make some sacrifices to do it. Mm. But you know, that being said, uh, this whole metaverse thing, like it's it's a it's a real open question to me if it's going to be able, you know, if they'll be able to snap their fingers and all of a sudden have an operating system to me, an operating system because it sounds like Messenger that didn't work out. It sounds like the way they talked about VR and VR is still is still niche. So can you can you create a game changing paradigm with something like the metaverse, whatever that might be, um, from scratch? If you're Facebook, I don't know. I think the odds are, are the odds. You know, I won't, won't bet against Zuckerberg, but I don't think the odds so, are in so his favor. So a question though for you, like to, to to ground this, I think would be what do you think media and social media and device usage looks like in five years? Wow. Uh, well, I I think that um, more similar today or different. I think that if you look at, you take the signals from Facebook, it's going to look more like TikTok does, where it's less of a follow model and more of an algorithm just tracking everything you do and, you know, learning because, you know, and it's all encompassing wisdom, what you're interested in and serving it up to. That sounds like that's sort of social media as it exists today growing up alongside whatever the metaverse thing might be. Well, you know, again, I think the metaverse is going to exist in, in, in a fragmented way, uh, in these games like Fortnite and, and well, Roblox. But see, one and, of the advantages like, is like, what are we? Are we going to hang out in in like Facebook Metaverse, or are we going to still like Zuckerberg you know send texts and stuff like that and see each other in person? Like just that idea, send texts. Like, uh, like I, I, I don't mean it in like a I don't know like combative way, but mm-hmm. it's language teaches us a bit about what we expect and what we know yeah. versus things that are unfamiliar and unknown and. Mm-hmm. If I were, you know, to think about myself being a 16-year-old kid today 
and thinking about how I spend my time. It looks a lot more like Roblox and a lot more like Fortnite. And when mm-hmm. I expect to go hang out with my friends who disperse to different colleges or wherever it is that mm-hmm. they go or they you know, learn from home, it's going to be a lot more like a metaversian experience than Zoom. It just And the fact that the, the hardware that Apple is building, I mean, these things all work in conjunction in terms mm-hmm. of building off of each other. Right. All of those hardware specs are designed to power more augmented reality, more video consumption, like things that are higher bandwidth, like demanding, like 5G still isn't, even, like, isn't really here yet. People aren't building apps for that yet because it's not widely distributed. Mm-hmm. So it just seems to me that all the messaging, I, I, I agree with you, just because you put it out there in the press release or in the developer event, it doesn't mean it happens. But if the metaverse is Facebook's North Star and they're willing to spend the next 15 to 20 years building that, the question is, will they be the dominant platform like Apple is today then? A whole bunch of points. Number one, the advantage right now is that metaverse is just a term. We, even us three right. sitting right here, like we don't know it. And, and, and people like Steven Sanofsky, or maybe it was um, uh, Benedict Evans has, has made the point that this is all sounding a lot like information superhighway where sure. everyone kind of knows they're feeling around in the dark because they know, they have an idea of what they want, but the actual structure of it, no one really has. A, uh, I got a, um, but the other point I wanted to make was, uh, I believe Zuck does believe that within five or 10 years, us three could record these episodes with our VR headsets on because once you get the avatars good enough, that it, I can already create your avatar in right. Instagram. Right. It's already built in. But weren't we excited to come here? Yeah. Why are we doing this? Because well, the three of us can be in person. And we've been doing these things on spaces in the past. We've we been talking virtually. We've so done I, the Zooms. You know, and there is, and maybe I'm old school about it, but there's something cool. We've talked about this. About I remember you, this was one person. of your answers. Look, we, we, we are, I, I don't know what utility or usage there is to sort of identify our generationalness, but. I I agree with you that it is great to come together in person, especially sort of semi post pandemic at the same time. (laughs) I'm also, I've got a foot in like, you know, the NFT land and crypto world and all of the people that interact there and transact business to the tunes of tens of thousands of dollars a day, they all have pseudonymous avatars and they are operating in a world where real identity and coming together in the meat space is the second order to the primary order, which is their digital life. And I'm not saying this is better yeah. or worse. I'm just observing it. Well, when you're money laundering, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to show your face. <laughs> Listen, I, I saw a pitch. Agreed. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't think I'm going to invest in it, but um, it was a pitch for a VR dating app. And I didn't think, like I said, I'm, I don't think I'm going to, I'm not going to say too much more about it, but it did make me realize that people have sex in the metaverse. If you get avatars, right. A dating app in VR is insanely. Let me be clear. There are a lot idea. of people whose yeah. best yeah. partners are perfectly, you know, right. avatar. Right. I mean, right. there are cultures that grow up around the stuff. Like it's not that unusual. Mm-hmm. And the degree to which the internet. But I'm even saying, like, imagine if you could integrate sexting so that, like, if you you swipe left and you see some a picture of somebody, and then that picture you say I want to talk, and that picture comes well, alive and uses that with machine learning to, to make. We have the deepfakes, and, and they're, they're standing they're in very front popular. of you, and you can have sex with any celebrity that you and want. And the clothes with come all off. The appendages and that you want. <laughs> Alex, is, Alex Alex does not like this. Feature. Alex is double fisting, uh, okay. face palming. Okay, no, listen. it does. It just keeps. It sounds more and more like a Black Mirror episode. The more I think that this we was progress, a Black Mirror episode actually. It, I think it is. Um, yeah. So. 
When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID, and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation, where they check user identity. But user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months, or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Octa-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com/ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's k o l i d e dot com slash ride collide dot com slash ride. Whenever I need to do financial research for this show, for instance, during tech earnings season, when I have to analyze how various companies' stocks have been performing, I only ever turn to our sponsor today, Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They are the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you. On your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. One more point that, <laughs> that I want to make here, because I, I want to come back to this because I think it's super important. When you said that, um, that they need to do this for recruiting, um, and to keep an energy around... So, so the talent piece is something right. yeah, we should talk um, about. It's, it, you guys remember, like as late as like 2010, one of the reasons that people thought it was insane, the, fa- the Facebook's valuation and things like that, was because they're like, well, listen, social networks are fads. Mm. Another social network is going to come along uh, a la... They're fad-ish, right, turns out. Right, not right. fads. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> so maybe it's just, maybe that did, that was true. It just got delayed by a decade. That in this sense, they they do need to invent what's next. They do need to keep jumping to the next lily pad because they are in a business. Of let, let me let me suggest like a, a of reframing of that question yeah. at that point because I think this is a very useful way to understand where we're, where we've arrived to with technology. And I was thinking about this the other day, and it kind of on the one hand made me sad, and on the other hand, kind of like revealed to me what we're engaged in, which is that if you look at sports. And sports announcers, and like, you know what it was? I was in an Uber, and the guy had the radio on, and there was some person talking about, I don't know, the sports ball. Patriots, or <laughs> I think the, the Red Sox are in the World Series. Is that true? It may or may not be true. Uh, Check the internet. We're a round away from the World Series yet, but they're... The, uh, playoffs. Finals? 
You know that, what? It, it doesn't really matter because I feel the like AL Championship like Series. Someone so. who's really into sports ball talking about tech and like not really knowing the words. Point being mm-hmm. is that we've kind of gotten to the commentator part where, as you, as you pointed out, the Titans are in a battle and they will stay in a battle indefinitely unless the government steps in and maybe you know throws on some regulation or something and ultimately changes the rules of the game and the sport. But technology now in the development is like sports. And so we can talk about the needs for platforms to keep users engaged. It's no different than sports needing to figure out how to keep games interesting and exciting and maybe like shortening the innings or, you know, having only like two outs uh, or whatever to basically keep fans focused on what's going on because attention changes, behavior changes, uh, uh, time availability changes. So all this is to say that if we're evaluating these things and thinking about whether or not Facebook is going to build these things, the answer is yes. They're going to keep building new ways to keep people engaged, and it's not going to be one true thing. It's not going to be one news feed. It's going to be many things, many different types of excitement, many different types of entertainment. Um, and that's the battle that we're actually engaged in, which is not merely about the technology anymore. Because as we posited on the World Cup of Entrepreneurs episode, Zuck, the juice for Zuck is people playing his game. Exactly. Whatever the He game doesn't is. care what the game is. He does not. Yeah, or where it's played, as long as it's played well, on Facebook he, turf. He cares what the game is, but he's willing to make some sacrifices so. <laughs> to keep the game going. But that's the point. Like the, the sacrifices are incidental to ultimately getting people to play the game. I mean, Boz said it himself. You're going to you know, crack some eggs you know, when you're building the world's greatest <laughs> social network, including killing people. Yeah. And yet we connect. That is what we do. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I know that story. I was on it. I know. So. Hey, uh, speaking of stories that you may or may not be on... Um, I keep hearing that there is a trove of new leaked Facebook documents. That yes. A bunch of... Maybe 33 or so you know, reporters bu- are working on. <laughs> Apparently a bunch of outlets all have them, and they're coming out soon. We've got um, the yeah. obviously, papers. We've got the Facebook I'm papers. not asking you to, to tip anything or whatever, but yeah. this, this but is like real. Something, now would be the chance. Yeah, uh, it's definitely real. Um, it, it, it certainly appears that Facebook uh, PR had a heads up that all 30-plus <laughs> reporters were going to make fun of its new name. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what I've gathered is that uh, this is sort of leftover stuff mm-hmm. from the Wall Street Journal's uh, investigation. The B-roll. The B-roll. Uh, so, you know, but it, it was amazing that Facebook PR was like, there are 30, there are 30 right. plus reporters who've agreed to hold due to, you know, after a PR firm. And it's like, you do that all the time when you have product announcements. There's no problem there when you manipulate mm-hmm. the media. Mm-hmm. But as soon as somebody else is doing it, you're all of a sudden, you know, you know trying to turn the public against journalists the whole the whole facebook approach to this has been totally insane i mean i I was thinking about it on the way over here can you imagine any other company doing what they did no this is totally bonkers i mean if they if they would have just said every time to every question if they would have just said we're doing the research so we can get better sure they would have they they could have very easily turned it so bored oh my god they could have turned it from this you know massive glaring scandal into you know oh hey they are doing the research actually i think it's pretty cool that they're doing the research Mm -hmm. good on them right that's a huge deal Mm -hmm. but instead they they've now talked about how francis haugen has uh you know doesn't report to and never reported to anybody and the journalists are you know getting it wrong and the data the researchers are bad and 
you know, it's really an instance of thou does protest too much. Right. Yes. It's like, oh, Facebook, what exactly? You know, you wouldn't be doing all this stuff unless you sort of heart of hearts believe that a lot of this criticism is legitimate. So, but I, yeah, again, like Zuckerberg had a good response. He's like, we're doing the research. I, I just like, you know, and they've the invested fact that more they're, than others. They're trying to demonize, research. you know, journalists for like going through like, you know, if, if it was me and, you know, I don't work for Facebook comms for a reason, but I would have just been like, you know, if, if I felt the need to address it, um, you know, I, I would have just been like, you know, we're glad that these reporters are getting hold of our research. We're the only one that does it. We challenge them to get research like this from any other company and to find a company anywhere close to as serious as we are to improving. But isn't the, the problem, situation. I mean, the, the results... I mean, what the research yeah. shows and what Facebook knew and what Facebook did or did not choose to do yeah. to address those issues with its product is the, the realm where it says, okay, Facebook, like self-regulation clearly is not working because you knew these things and yet you did it anyways. Yeah, yeah. No, that, I, I would say that, like, you know, talking purely about the communications, that's the stuff that's bonkers. Um, the this, this stuff that uh, this research found is definitely, um, you know, glaring and revelatory. Uh, is it surprising? And, and no, because I, you know it's important. I think for folks to understand that there's two, so so there's two sides to Facebook, right? There's the side that wants to be good for the world, mm. and there's the side that we've been talking about through our whole conversation, which is the one that feels the need to grow and sees TikTok and YouTube uh, uh, nipping at its heels and taking its teenage users, which are its future. And so there's a very real tension between putting implementing the fixes that this re- the research organization wants them to put in and surviving. And so I call it the Facebook survival dilemma because it is something that, you know, Facebook is like, you know, uh, in order to survive, are we going to, going to, you know, fundamentally harm our service and, uh, and, you know, or I don't know, like, is there a way to do this without having all these people? But one thing that people have pointed out, you know, is just that the system that Facebook operates within is the capitalist system. And if Facebook were grown in yeah. China, would, would things be different? You know, in terms of like two major different structures and experimental zones, mm-hmm. like Facebook has had to have that sort of, you know, Gemini vibe of being both wanting to, you know, change the world and connect it and make things. I don't think it's had to have that. It's oh. been a choice. Well, that's my question, though. Mm-hmm. The choice to grow, like, I don't think that there is a choice to not grow. To basically say, you know, we're good. We've got, you know, a billion people. We're set. Disagree. Really? Well, I mean, if... if From a market pers- uh, like perspective? Well, you know... Once you go public, I mean, how do you... You're like, all right, we're done growing? Oh, come on. Like, Zuckerberg is the only, you know, only important voice in the room there. You don't think that his impetus to grow comes or stems from the economic system that he... That, that generated him? So I do think he wants to make more money. Yeah, but do I think... I mean, he's got so much money. I know, but do I I think, like, does he have a choice? Of course he does. He has a choice. Of course. And it's something that he's hinted at when he said, we're going to have, like, time go down on our site when we go from media consumption to, you know, what this new engagement model that ended up being flawed was, meaningful (laughs) social interactions. And he said, we are going to proactively choose to have people spend less time, and that will lead to a revenue hit. But didn't that actually lead to more growth? Well, yes. So, So the question is, did he know that? Uh, I think they had a pretty good idea what they were doing because, uh, I mean, so that, that is, in, in the, uh, he said, I think that, or I know that time is going to go down and yet yeah. they chose to go that path. I think and then he was, was spinning and I think we have the truth now, thanks to these documents. And actually I think of all the wall street journal stories, yeah. the one about this algorithm change to yeah. meaningful social interactions was far and away the best. 
Uh, that was the and most, the most important, important one because it showed what levers they yeah. have to make but look, changes. You know, look, at the end of the day, it's dealings, a simple you know, right, right. But it's a simple answer though to your question, which is that like, of course they have a choice. Zuckerberg is the you know the only voice that matters in that company, and so he can do whatever he wants. We've seen it time and time again because it can't be removed. Because can't of the be removed, the can't be overridden. Right. The board could all quit, but he would install sure. a new board. Yep. So um, he has full, full. It is a, a pretty wild thing that a company with the market size, market cap, the size of Facebook, is controlled by one person. But it is, mm-hmm. and so you know, I know that there's been like the um, there's been this popular line of argument, like the one that you mentioned that Facebook is a product of capitalism. Which yes, of course it is, uh, but it's also you know it's it's um, it's not. I wouldn't say that its future is determined by the system that it works in because the clear truth is that the future is determined by Mark Zuckerberg and there's no other way about it. Uh, let me, I, I was searching for the tweets because I, I'm sure I didn't actually mention this on the show. So let me just read the specific tweets that <laughs> led to this. And this was from October 18th. Um, Facebook Newsroom tweeted, A curated selection out of millions of documents at Facebook can in no way be used to draw fair conclusions about us. Internally, we share work in progress and debate options. Not every suggestion stands up to the scrutiny we must apply to decisions affecting so many people. So the argument there being, hey, anybody's internal documents are going to look kind of mean and, and ugly and dirty. Dirty laundry is going to look like dirty laundry. Because we're trying to make decisions in a frank and real way, and, and that includes, what is the downside of this? Is, okay, mm-hmm. hold on. Let me read the Because this second one was the more interesting one to me. So then, this is signed by John Panette, VP of Communications. To those news organizations who would like to move beyond an orchestrated gotcha campaign, we are ready to engage on the substance. Now, first of who all... Who would that be? First of all, they're not ready to engage on the substance. But uh, second of all, is this not sort of a Streisand effect sort of thing? Like, I, I, you, you know more about this than either of us. Mm. Has their PR gotten really bad lately? Yes, why? I don't know. <laughs> they should be the best at this in the world because they've been doing it since day one. They've lived in crisis land. So yeah. here's my only explanation for it. I mean, it's terrible. But um, not the explanation. The PR has been real bad. Um, but it is possible that they have. Okay, so look at the influences. Uh, you know, Peter Thiel is on that board. Uh, you know, Mark Andreessen's, you know, I've been close with Zuckerberg from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the engineers, a lot of the Facebook employees have been very, you know, they're keen observers of the media. Mm. And they know that there's been a pushback in the tech world to try to discredit the media and mm. disintermediate the, the media. I mean, go to our favorite website, Future, and Recent Horowitz, once every year blog. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, that's sort of the idea. Uh, and so um, it is possible that, you know, the audience, uh, what they're trying to do is just be like, you know, these, these journalists have uh, gotten it wrong and, you know, they're out to get us. You know, that's what the gotcha campaign is. And, you know, we're here to interact in an earnest way. And if uh, they're not going to do it, we need to let you know that they're wrong. And that, I think, might be fodder to the disintermediate the media. You know, tech journalists are a biased pack who get things wrong in mass often. And, and maybe that's what they're playing toward. Says somebody with a very popular substack. 
I mean, but, but to be fair, I'm like, joking. I'm, yeah, I, I want to say that, that I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to give people an alternative to the corrupt <laughs> corporate media. You know, I'm just kidding. I, I, look, I think we, we work in concert, not not in concert, but in cause compliments, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to write stories that the New York Times never will. The Times will write stories that I won't. It's good to have people with different perspectives uh, covering similar stuff because you're going to end up seeing that. Um, you know, you'll end up seeing these different perspectives. No, but, okay, like I, this is a very important point, I think, and I think that you know, Alex, you being here, you know, I don't, I can't, I don't know how or if to describe you as neutral because I don't think you are. However, mm-hmm. like you have a perspective. <laughs> we've talked about this. Yes, yeah. we've talked about this, and yet, out of the Wall Street Journal stories mm-hmm. and the documents that really weren't shared broadly, to my knowledge, uh, there were a whole lot of media stories that were written that were written in a very you know biased adversarial way and so although you know facebook bears scrutiny especially being the size that it is the way in which you can see whatever you want kind of in the tea leaves or mm-hmm. in the rorschach test of these documents allows people to spin and create stories that advance their own agendas whatever those agendas may be yeah and as a result there is a question now i'm not saying that facebook is doing things right but i'm saying that the, 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 the challenge of being inside of the sausage factory and making the sausage itself mm-hmm. makes it very difficult to know how to explain yourself in a way that is relatable, understandable, uh, comprehensive, such that an audience that is looking for their own gotcha moments yeah. are able to stick around long enough. I mean, like, you know, you've been trying to, to push the angle of clear-headed, nuanced like, conversations for a long time. Yeah. Right? And... They're tough. It's tough. It's yep. tough to get an audience. It's mm-hmm. tough to like get people engaged. It's tough people to have them stick around for mm-hmm. as long as that goes. So I think my question, uh, you know, in, in, in a sense, isn't necessarily to push back on what you're saying, mm-hmm. but if you take, and maybe they, again, don't warrant this type of uh, credulity, 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 okay. so. uh, of, of, of this Facebook comms person, if you take him at his word, there is a question as to how this conversation should play out yeah. in a way where there's some sort of container that is created for the conversation. And there can be a, if not raucous debate, a useful debate Yeah, because at the end of the day, I feel like we're just yelling at each other and, and what Facebook is doing is mm-hmm. it's going to its corner. It's going to launch horizon and all these things are going to be harder to talk about because the media now start, suddenly has to talk about it as though it's Horizon and not Facebook. And they'll talk about it as Horizon, formerly known as Facebook. And then people are going to be like, wait, what is Horizon? And then it'll be yeah. like this big squirrel moment. And then we'll move on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we also do that with, with uh, you know, I don't know, with Alphabet. Um, no one calls it Alphabet anymore. Right. Everyone calls yeah, it Google. Google. Yeah, Alphabet was like, yeah, that's sort of a failed rebrand. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, mean, it, I don't think that they're... Uh, all that interested in, in the conversation that John Panette offers in that tweet. They um, being the media? Facebook. Facebook's oh, let's talk about the media, first of all. Yeah. I, I think the point that you made is, is good. I think that I just listened to this podcast. I forgot which one it was. But it was a sports reporter who talked about how, like... Um, most sports reporters are, you know, just kind of cheating off the New York Times and Wall Street Journal, right, exactly. or they look to those publications for signals because, mm-hmm. you know, they're not smart enough to, mm-hmm. you know, make their own determinations about what's important in society. Or, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think like, you know, the, a lot of this stuff becomes pack driven when like yeah. your editor has to, is like, um, all right, get me something in two hours, and you know, you 
just write what the Wall Street Journal said yep. um, with less nuance right. um, <laughs> and repeat it without hearing anything else. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, there are people who might not bother to make a call to Facebook mm-hmm. or like call their own sources or probably because they have none. And, yep. you know, and then end up repackaging something in a more scandalous way that gets clicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a problem, you know, but honestly, like, you know, for, for us to focus on, on that versus like the actual issues with Facebook is kind of what Facebook wants. Um, but, but again, the media, you, you, you guys know me, like I've always, uh, been, um, clear that I do believe the media needs to be introspective. We try to do it on my show all the time. Uh, and it's something that, that the media could be better at. Um, but like, again, like, uh, one of the things I've realized, you know, in my career as a reporter is that it's just like the, the, when, when people don't want to try to solve hard problems, they end up just blaming the media um, and, and, you know, not actually getting to the core of the issues. So um, and, and as far as Panette's offer, uh, I've had for a few weeks now uh, a, a request to get Nick Clegg on my show um, and, and, you know, and transcribe it with, you know, some publications that would get it uh, some range. And, um, you know, I'm not interested in gotcha stuff. That's for sure. I want to hear him out. Um, I have some tough questions for him. Uh, but but the offer is still in their court. So, you know, if Facebook is serious about this stuff, they should they should you know instead of writing long Twitter, Twitter threads, you know, demonizing the practice of embargoes which they engage in every day, mm-hmm. uh, should should end up you know leading by action and, and not by words. And honestly, leading by action has been been the trouble with Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it's not not you know we talk about their comm strategy, mm-hmm. which you know come on we could talk about that forever. <laughs> it's a hilarious joke, but um, you know the, at the end of the day, you know. Jeff Van Gundy, who, who's a former coach of the Knicks, you went sports, so I'll go sports to <laughs> wrap this segment. He I was on, what, you know, was watching. Uh, uh, he was, he's now a commentator and was calling a playoff game a few years back. And there was this long discussion about like whether player X was dirty, mm. you know, because he would always get hard fouls and stuff like that. And Van Gundy was like, "Look, you are what you do. Mm. You are what you do. Mm. It's simple, but it's really true. Mm. And you know, if if." Um, Again, like this can all be settled. This discussion can be settled with action, and and not by not by like you know Facebook spinning it one way or reporters doing something the other way. And that that's you know what it boils down to, in my opinion. Uh, Nick Clegg, it's it's big technology. Is is the podcast? Oh, that he. uh, I think he's he's aware. I know, but so. I was also that was my way of uh, yeah. reminding those listening. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, big technology, big technology podcast. Is the podcast. <laughs> we did do we did do a show with um, Jeff Horowitz who wrote the series and Brian Boland who was a uh, fa- longtime Facebook executive there That's for right. thirteen years, yeah. and we just went over the stories and talked about like both Jeff's reporting and then what it was like uh, for Brian internally as he encountered this stuff. So this is sort of like. Um, the ideal uh, type yep. of show that we try to do on, on the podcast where it's not just like uh, invective, but it's actually like, let's talk to the people who've done it. Let's talk to the people writing about it and see where we net out at the end of an hour. To, to wrap it up today, Chris, here's my argument for why the new Facebook name can't be Horizon. Okay, great. It, it just sounds too much like, like Horizon. Horizon. That's it. That's what I said. Now, I tweeted that. Right. But the... Okay, the <laughs> great minds think alike. That, um, <laughs> now, however, again, we remember that um, Zuck is the final arbiter. And if yes. he doesn't give a shit, right. it's going to be Horizon. <laughs> buy Verizon and buy AOL and right, revisit right. that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But Trunk was a name yeah. that people suggested. Uh, oh, yeah. That was on the, Buzz, the BuzzFeed quiz. Yeah. Trunk. Yeah. Oh, and Smoked Brisket, I think, was another good one. <laughs> 
Um, did love, uh, uh, Ina Freed had a, had a great tweet saying that Facebook, you know, we're glad you want to change your name. Please fax us a court order and your <laughs> new ID. Right, Just poking at Facebook's real name policy. Oh, right. Anyone who's tried to change a name and right. they've, everyone gets like, who does that tries to get, ends up yeah. getting kicked off. So, <laughs> so that was true. nice. It was like, all right, a little bit of your own medicine. Um, Chris, uh, enjoy the rest of your week here in, in Brooklyn. Thank you. As I always say, this is the time of year to oh come. Oh my God, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. Um, thank you both for coming to my kitchen. Yeah. Thanks it's for great hosting. to be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, wrap it up host. Well, thanks everybody for joining for another episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home Experience. Uh, we were happy to have Alex Kantowitz here, uh, along with Brian and myself, of course. We typically record on Wednesdays. Our schedule is a little bit off, but who knows? Anyways, we will be here next time to talk about all the big news in the technology world, metaverse or beyond. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.